0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Bruno Guimaraes, obviously. But also, what about selling with Shopify. What I personally, Charlotte, love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force between Allbirds, Rothies and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries.
2: It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle were soundly beaten by Bournemouth, in Bournemouth, two goals to nil on Saturday night. I'm Alex, I have Sy, Kyle and Adam Widrington here to discuss it with you, what happened and why, as we try and work out what's gone wrong and how quickly Newcastle and Eddie Howe can put it right. Quick advertisement from me, we're on Patreon, it's 3 to £8 pounds a month, international break coming up. We've got absolutely loads of brilliant podcasts and guests planned for you on there, so come and join us if you like what we do. Let's get into it though. Sigh, Bournemouth, relegation zone when we went there, 2-0 defeat, could have been 6 or 7 if it wasn't for Nick Pope and some truly dreadful finishing and decision making from Bournemouth. Was this just one of those games that is very hard to analyse because of the injuries, because of the number of games? What are your thoughts on the defeat, mate?
3: Yeah, very, very disappointing to watch at the time, Um, very frustrating to watch at the time because I thought every single player was... Below their standards, even with all the caveats that we're gonna to add to this, I thought we played badly and I thought everyone played badly, with the exception maybe of Nick Pope, who we can give a bit of credit for some great saves to keep to keep it respectable, which isn't a good thing to be able to say Bournemouth away. Um I thought the team that we started with should have should have had enough about them to beat Bournemouth. Bournemouth aren't good, Bournemouth looked like they couldn't go down this season. But but we we do have an injury-ravaged Tonali betting scandal ravaged team. Um, it's, it's it's becoming a bit of a cop-out but it is the case and I think there's a few things there's a few factors one, um, everyone talked at the start of the season about whether the squad was capable of, of managing these kind of tough fixture crunches and I think it probably would have been I think the injuries have been exceptionally bad like we weren't ready for this but no one could have forecast exactly all of this including the Tenale situation as well I think um, had we known about the group of death from the start of the transfer window, you might have said actually we might need a bit more here because it's not just the volume of fixtures, it's the volume of high standard fixtures, it's the volume of big fixtures, you know, sandwiching two Dortmund games with an Arsenal game, with a Man United cup draw as well, with two away Premier League fixtures. It's not just been a bad, difficult set of fixtures, it's been possibly the worst combination of fixtures on top of the way we play, on top of everything else and the Tonato thing. I just think we've got to give the lads this one because of how that's played out and hopefully the international break has come when we needed it.
4: Yeah, I think you can simultaneously um, accept that we, as I said, we've we've got injury, a, a, a huge injury crisis, but we can also be very disappointed with how the lads that were out on the pitch um, against Bournemouth um, performed um, and it wasn't enough. And I've kind of seen this week away at Dortmund and then away at at Bournemouth, just the kind of culmination of an intense run of fixtures. As you said, we, we play one of the most intense playing styles um, in the league and it, it, it got to the point where I don't doubt their mentality. I just think that something had to give and it's it's almost like these, these sprints of very intense fixtures in between international breaks and it felt that like Bournemouth would Bournemouth looked fitter and sharper and looked desperate to get only their second win of the whole season, which they managed we just looked like, through no maybe not intentionally, we just looked like we were trying to scrape over the finish line and get to the international break again to regroup um, and to get some respite because we've desperately needed it. It's been a really, really tough week um, and a little bit sobering as well after that Arsenal win.
5: Yeah, I think Kieran Tripp, I put it right, you know, in his uh, post-match interview, he just says it's the reality because you, <laughs> we're playing for every, a game every three days and every four days and it's just... Like, it's, especially with this injury crisis, I don't know about you lads, but this is one of the worst injury crises I've seen. At the club, I've seen a goalkeeping crisis where Jack Gannick had playing goal for two months when he clearly wasn't ready for the Premier League. But I haven't seen an injury crisis across the board. I mean, Matt Ritchie's coming on after 20 minutes and, like, it is great for them. Ben Parkson getting in, into the into the team from, from the bench and Lewis Miley starting and, and things like that. But... This is, a result, this is a result of the injury crisis that we'll have at the minute and it just seems mental and those that are fit seem to be absolutely knackered they look looking at that after 20 minutes Yeah, I agree with everything you've all said I do
2: think that you get these games in the season injuries, no injuries Liverpool go to Luton last week pretty, you know they've got a couple of players out but lucky to get away with a draw and I think most people would think Luton are a weaker side much weaker side than Bournemouth who spent a lot of money in the summer I think part of it is bournemouth aren't as bad possibly as their league position suggested their expected goals across the season as much higher than the teams around them they just missed a lot of chances like we saw yesterday i think bournemouth won't be in anywhere rele- any relegation danger at all having said that i think we are a victim of of the one time in the season we needed a home fixture we got an away fixture yeah. and that's not me trying to say the performance was good or or even i don't use the word acceptable because there's so much mitigation but after the emotion and the circumstance and the pomp and the ceremony of Borussia Dortmund away and the yellow wall, we just needed to be at home. Yeah. I think if we'd been at home yesterday, not against anyone, not against Manchester City, but against most Premier League sides, I think that team with the home crowd could have got a result or certainly made more of a game of it than we did. We just, you know, when we looked at the Champions League fixtures, when, uh, oh sorry, the, the Premier League fixtures after the Champions League was made, you were like, this is a decent set of fixtures. But in fact, we've had, what, four four away games? We've had um, we had West Ham, Sheffield United, Wolves, and now Bournemouth away. Actually, that's really fucking unlucky. That's really unlucky to, to, to not be able to travel or lick our wounds or whatever at home is just unlucky. That doesn't mitigate everything because there's so many other mitigations. But I just feel like, you know, um, three of us on this podcast, we were in Dortmund. And whilst the players' journey would have been far healthier than mine, Far healthier, less alcohol-ridden, more sleep, more comfort, more healthy. They're healthier than me anyway. I'm still knackered from Dortmund. I have so much respect for fans who went from Germany straight to Bournemouth. Wow. Um, You must be much much healthier than me. I'm sure you all are. (laughs) But it's just, I'm not trying to make excuses that aren't there. I just feel like whatever team we had out yesterday, it would have been a challenge. I'm not saying we would have got beat it's like you said, Sai. The fact that we don't have a really poor side to play at home or away, which is almost guaranteed six points in the Champions League, guaranteed four points. The fact that every single game is a physical and mental battle. It's just beyond this squad at the moment, with the injuries and with the kind of the stage of the development that they're at, to to be able to to go to Dortmund depleted and then go to. Bournemouth on the south coast on the Saturday, even more depleted. It's just beyond us, and I think that's okay. I'm not not gonna worry about it. I think we'll come back after the international break and I think we'll beat Chelsea if we'll get a couple of players back. Bruno will be back. We'll talk about that later. So Adam, you're probably the one who was kind of most disappointed there, in your in your answer. Um what do you think about what we've said potentially that or maybe missing the point a little bit in terms of the performance of the players who played. Yeah, I get it because you, t- you totally agree with the injury situation. What is it about the players who played? Do you think that maybe let them down a little bit in terms of their standard of performance?
4: It's difficult to put your finger on it, but it's it's obvious that Bournemouth just seemed a step ahead of us the whole game. It's um, I think they won the midfield battle. I think they were more energetic than us, and there was just this desire from them that. We, we might have had desire. It was one of those things where it's almost like mentality wise, I don't doubt any of our players, but it feels like their bodies couldn't do what they were wanting to do a lot of the time, probably just through like I say intense fatigue. And when you've got a, a team at home that has sort of smelt blood, maybe a bit early on. Yes. They got quite fortuitous with both of the goals that there was an element of fortune in both of the ways that they, that they scored. However, they were just quite relentless and they didn't let us stop and, in the end it it was a comfortable win for them. And it looked like, as you said before, it could have been more. It's, it's difficult to put a finger on what the, what the lads out there could have done better. It, it's just, they were, they were second best. They were second best across the park. And I think <coughs> maybe there was a bit of underestimation of, of Bournemouth has been alluded to, but I just think we weren't performing and it, the, the, the whole week has been just a, a real drop on performance. And I, I just think their bodies weren't capable of doing what their heads wanted to do. It's just been a terrible injury crisis. It's been a poor situation. We needed this break, and it almost like this game was just one too many.
3: I'd like to offer one further mitigation. Whilst I agree with everything you said, and yeah, there was times when you're just thinking, how has he kicked the ball like that? It's just like something was not right with the the touch and the kind of the way we were, were playing individually. But... Um, when you've got to make as many changes as we have i think it's four or five changes even from tuesday that we've had to make for this game and we're having to kind of put square pegs and round holes um i think you need a bit more time to prepare for fixtures but because as, as alex said we've, we've traveled back from germany and then we've traveled down to the south coast so we probably went down the night before he's probably only had two days in the training ground with a makeshift team where you think if eddie Howard had been given a week to prepare for this fixture with whichever players he was going to use would give a better account of ourselves but i think what showed yesterday was some of those players didn't seem to know exactly what their role was Like on the day. Um, I think the preparation just wasn't there for Bournemouth, and Bournemouth, to be fair, had a week to prepare. They looked like they knew what to do with Newcastle. They knew, right, they're not going to have a centre-forward, force them out wide. They're not going to get balls in the box, and they're going to struggle with that, whereas we didn't seem to really have a plan. It was just kind of, right, this is the 11 we've, we've cobbled together. We haven't had much time to prepare. Just give it your best, lads. And it, it, I don't think the players really felt like they knew what to do on this, on this occasion, and I think that's down to... A lack of time to prepare for this fixture.
4: Yeah, and, and before the game, I was kind of praising the system. I was praising how robust the system was, and pointing to the two league cup successes. That you know, no matter which players we put in, everyone seemed to know exactly what they were doing, where they were supposed to be stand, standing. Um, and the system was bigger than the bigger than the players, and that's what you want. You want to be able to swap in and out, but maybe you're right. Maybe it was just too many changes. You didn't have yeah. Bruno, which is a an intri- you know an essential part of this whole. Um, machine that we have um, maybe it was down to that I don't know I was praising them and obviously they've, what, the team that's come in is it was better than we put out in the League Cups but still couldn't make a dent on Bournemouth so that's that's very frustrating it feels like on paper we actually should have been having them regardless of who wasn't available the players that were should have won that game I think
3: yeah I think um, I suppose you're right that the system is quite robust and we've demonstrated across the season that we can interchange players, and they, they, they seem to slip in seamlessly sometimes but I think I'm talking more on a on a kind of player by player basis. Where when Joe Linton starts up front, and the, the players don't seem to know where he's going to run, it just nothing's clicking. You look into your left, you've got Lewis Miley, and he, he played perfectly fine. Well, I'm not digging him out, but the players don't haven't played much football with him. They don't know where he's going to run. They don't know where he's going to pop the ball off. That kind of cohesion that comes with preparing and playing with the team you're going to be playing with. You know where they're going to run. You know who's going to run where, and you know who's doing what when we're pressing together, when we're not pressing. And I just think that's what was missing yesterday: the cohesion and the the understanding of how that eleven was going to prepare and and play this game. But yeah, you're right. The the system itself has has proved quite robust, but this was maybe just one, one too far. We'll break there for
2: part two of the show. We'll be back after a couple of adverts. You can get these podcasts advertisement free
0: for just £3 a month. Speak to you after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: Let's talk about the game a little bit, and later on in the show, we'll talk more about kind of context and where the season finds itself after this defeat. But I, I do understand the point of view, and it's it's probably purely from speaking to people I know Castle and a little bit. Of a look at social media; it's probably kind of a fifty-fifty split between people. I think everyone accepts the injury situation just made that game a step too far. Injuries and, and number of games and fixtures and tiredness, and then there are there is a a kind of large uh, school of thought which Adam uh, has articulated so far about the lads who played or the team that started should have been able to produce better than what they did. And I I kind of go along with that for, for the senior players. And Si, you're right. I thought Lewis Miley, I actually thought it was strange he was taken off. I thought it got worse when Miley was taken off. I thought he was doing fine and very tidy on the ball was, was always an option for players. I think when Miley went off, we struggled to get out from the back because there wasn't an option to play out from the back. Yeah. We ended up playing a lot more long balls. That went nowhere. Percentage balls down the line. But I do kind of look at, Miguel Almiron, Sean Longstaff, and Joe Litton in particular. Almiron goes off injured, but I'm going to talk about his performance before that. Where those three senior players, initially, I think, would just need more from you. We need more from you. In this situation, with young lads on the pitch and on the bench, can you do more? But then, I looked at their workload, and they have played, particularly Longstaff, they have played 14 games in the last 56 days. And Longstaff, maybe Man United cup game aside and Man City cup game aside would we'll have played every single minute that's a game on average every four days and of all the stuff we're about in part one I just feel like it was just it, like Eddie Howe said post game it's a game too far having said that I do feel a little bit like we could have been a little bit wiser um, after half time I think half time comes Bournemouth have driven through and broken through our midfield so many times that maybe the call at half time would have been lads Nil nil's is a great. It's a great result here. Nil nil. Not not. Don't try and not win the game, but perhaps we need to be a little bit more compact, a little bit harder to break down. We need men behind the ball more. We didn't really do it, and I understand why because you're thinking if you get the first goal against this Bournemouth side, they're probably not going to come back. They're not the confidence to do it, and they've, they've battered us so far. But the, 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 these are kind of you know hyper criticisms for me. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure that there, there, there was much we could have done yesterday against that. Uh, like you said, on that motivated Bournemouth side who smelt blood quite rightly with good players uh, and, you know, time will tell, but possibly a decent manager, it, it's a tough one. So, Kyle, what do you think? What do you think about the performances yesterday? Is there anyone who
5: stood out for you or, or are you kind of disappointed Didn't didn't do more? I'm totally in agreement, to be fair. I thought it got a lot worse when Miley went off. Um, I don't know why he got took off, because he had the most energy in the midfield. Uh, Willock was one that you didn't mention. I thought Willock was really poor, to be honest. He had one bit of play where he beats two defenders and puts it in the box uh, near the six-yard area, but... Other than that, he was very unwilling like he was running at defenders and losing the ball and like it was just the whole midfield for me. It just lacked it lacked a Bruno. <laughs> like <laughs> it, like obviously it's not great when Bruno doesn't play, but it is quite concerning that without him that we just don't have an idea. Since Bruno signed, we've not won a game without him. And that's that's like really bad. (laughs) It's like (laughs) 10, I think it's 10 games Bruno hasn't played or started for Newcastle since he signed and we haven't picked up a win in any of them. That just shows you how important of this team he actually is. And I think with Bruno in that team yesterday, we still picked something up yesterday because he's great defensively. He can be a start, he can start attacks and and stuff. I think he just gives way a hell of a lot more. And Willick, Joe Linton, uh, it just didn't. It just didn't work yesterday. They looked knackered, um, but none of them, those three players in particular, don't have the, the. like they're not a number six. None of them are, and taking Miley off was very counterproductive because he's the most likely to be a number six out of them. So, for me, I just, I just feel like we missed Bruno a hell of a lot, but. Yeah, it was a poor performance from the midfield. I thought we got opened up to too many times. We lacked energy in the midfield, which is a theme of the podcast with how many games and how many injuries that we've got. But with the experience that we had in midfield and the quality we had in midfield, it was slightly disappointing that we didn't show more. And like you say, Alex, be a bit more wise on the ball and be a bit more wise in possession and just trying to... Trying to spread the game more rather than just it like like size season part one it just seemed seemed like there was a lack of understanding and I think that was more evident in the midfield than anywhere else on the pitch yesterday.
4: I always found as well, and and sort of goes back to size point about kind of that cohesion and those particular set of players playing together um, ahead of this game with only a couple of days to sort of uh, prepare for it. Is that every time we seem to get the ball or go on a bursting run into their half? it just felt that the, whoever was dribbling was just completely isolated yeah. from all the other attackers. And that it's just, it, and it's almost like they weren't all going together, it, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. And when somebody, I remember Tino making sort of a dart and run, he had to then just come back and say, and that's okay sometimes you just wait for the plate to catch up and you and build an attack that way. But there was a couple of times where, Anthony Gordon as well, there's a couple of times where we just, we almost had the run on them and we tried to hit them on the counter, but they just had an extra man back, and they doubled up on the one or two people that had burst forward and then suddenly we we had to just come all the way back and the the opportunity had gone and usually we're so devastating in those situations those counter-attack situations we spring we're quick we're direct we dribble right into the defenders and we ask questions but we didn't seem to do that whether it was a lack of confidence or whether we just didn't have the bodies or people just weren't in sync and on the same page to be able to write you're gonna I'm gonna go and support you that didn't really seem to happen yesterday and I'm I'm not entirely sure why because it's we're usually so good at it.
5: Lack of a focal point, Adam. Uh, we just did like you could tell we didn't have a strike on the field, and I don't know why we, we got rid of Chris Wood. Like I know, I know a lot money. of fans. A lot, <laughs> a, a lot of fans were like, it, to be fair, I agree with the amount of money that we sold him for. It's just not replacing him. Like a third choice forward definitely needed in January. Like it yeah. would just lacked a centre forward like I think it parts of the game Joel Linton was playing up front parts of the game Gordon was like it just seemed to be sometimes long stuff. was the forward man pushing forward like it was it was a mess to it's, be honest it's very un how like because we usually like know where everyone's playing and Stuff like that, it just seemed to be
3: like a calculated mess yesterday. It's the, the probably the biggest flaw in the four three system. System that's four three four three three system that has served us so well is that when there's no centre forward, it just doesn't quite work, does it? There's nothing to kind of link up the the six attacking players, and the lack of Bruno is is damning. Obviously, for for the stats you've just given, Kyle, but um, I think he's the only player, and it's a big reminder. He's the only player who can receive the ball under pressure and then keep the ball under pressure. Whereas Longstaff, Joe Linton. Willick, not so much Miley, I thought Miley kept the ball well, but he wasn't taking many risks, he was popping it back to a defender, which is fine, you know, we probably needed to do that quite a bit yesterday, he was keeping possession at times when we were just getting tackled everywhere else on the pitch, Trippier as well was losing the ball loads, he had an off day, but um, I think without Bruno, without someone who can make it really difficult to be dispossessed, Tonali was good at this as well to be fair, remember Tonali um, but the other lads getting tackled so easily, it just, it just gave their midfield confidence and they just kept pressing, it was like, oh we're going to get the ball back again, we're going to get the ball back again, whereas with Bruno, the opposition midfield just gives up because they try and do it. They knock themselves out, chase them down, and close them down. And when Joe Linton and Longstaff are playing off him, it all works really well. But without him, those three lads just kept losing the ball time and time again. And Willick as well. And I thought Willick, not through lack of endeavour, he was trying things. He's probably the only player who's trying to get out of our own half and trying to carry the ball. But like you say, like you both said. When when we did release Gordon or Livramento or Willick occasionally, the rest of the lads were twenty yards behind, and I don't know if that's because we just knackered ourselves out because of all the times we lost the ball and were chasing shadows. But everything about that midfield just lost all cohesion with without Bruno, and it is a massive, massive worry because how can players who've played so well just with one player out be so much worse? It's it's it's, it's frustrating and, and and alarming. So I I uh, posted on social media about this last
2: night, or and and indeed through the day I thought yesterday was a big game for. How can we survive without Bruno? Because, uh, Kyle, I'll pick you up a little bit. You are right that since Bruno made his first league start, we haven't won without him. But when he signed, he didn't get into the team for about six weeks. and so we, won, we won games. But since he made his first league start, whenever he hasn't started a league game, we failed to win. Someone pointed out to me very wisely that actually we did okay at Old Trafford without him. <laughs> um, but that was maybe special circumstances against a disaster of a team. Uh, who are above us in the league now? But... This is the thing, isn't it? You could look at Newcastle's injuries yesterday and say, if Newcastle had had five of the twelve out or four of the twelve out, Newcastle maybe win that game comprehensively. Maybe I'm not so sure because Bruno Gamares, when he doesn't play, and I'm going to reference last season a lot here because this was the first game of this season he hasn't played in the league, when he doesn't play, I think Miguel Moron and Sean Longstaff look. Miles worse as footballers. Miles worse. Not saying they're bad. They're good. They've done great things for us. They'll continue to do great things for us. But I think Bruno is so important to their performance and their game. And in you know how many of Almiron's goals for Newcastle have either come from a one-two with Bruno or a key pass from Bruno, or Bruno is involved somehow in in Almiron's goal. When you take him out, we simply, like you lads have correctly said, we simply don't have a, a replacement. And. You go back to the games you missed last season, you missed Wolves away, Liverpool away, 1 point out of 4. You missed Bournemouth away last season, Uh, you missed West Ham at home, possibly Palace away, Liverpool at home. Take Liverpool out, and Liverpool, by the way, weren't great last season, particularly when we played them at the start of the season. They're not hard fixtures. They're not like, oh God, you need your best players here. The midfield in all of those games, I feel like we're the same conversation that you lads have just had about midfield structure or lack of it you could put into those to, to those games as well and we probably did say that. Issue for Newcastle United is they bought Tonali. And the thing about Tonali was okay, he's not a six, but he can play there, he can cover. Now with him not available until August next year at the earliest, I'm really concerned now. And and to be fair, a lot of the transfer stuff in the the local media has been Newcastle looking at Calvin Phillips. There's the Ruben Never stuff. I'm sure that this is a position that Eddie Howe knows is a priority, possibly alongside a striker and a centre back for January. But I worry about us between now and then. If Bruno should have been, could have been sent off against Arsenal, he's got that in his locker. And then also you've got the fact: what he just picks up an injury? He's been pretty, pretty lucky with Bruno yeah. since he got here. He doesn't get injured really. Got in, injured at the start of last season for a little bit, and then he kind of played through injury second half of the season. But but he is so important to us, and that that t- takes me back to the conversations that we had. Lots of fans had at the start of the season when he was a little bit below himself. Yeah, I agree he was, and he's he's come back really strong. he has been one of the best players this season. But fuck me, if he's out, we're just the the, the Jolinton Willock Jolinton and Willock are really attacking-minded midfielders. They're not. They're not ball-playing. But ball, you know, midfielders. They're not. They're not going to shield the back four. They want to get forward. They want to run with the ball. They want to move the, with the ball. Longstaff's a little bit different. He's a little bit unique, but. Without Bruno, we're just would just look like a shadow of a side, and it's something that, if we're going to progress as a side, we'll, ha- we'll have to change. And Tonali probably was part of that, even though they were supposed to play in the same team together. It's just a massive concern moving forward, but there you go. I think we'll, we'll break there for, for part three. We'll be back after these adverts, back with you in a sec, to talk about the season ahead.
1: What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Bruno Guimaraes, obviously, but also, what about selling with Shopify? What I personally, Charlotte, love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force between Allbirds, Rothies and Linen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries.
2: So I suppose with this defeat it ends, you know, the international break to international break periods which we have been encountering in this international, this little spell. It's four four played, seven points, two wins, one defeat, one draw, which is, you know, I think it's okay. It's not brilliant, but I think that draw at Wolves, I said last week the Arsenal victory makes it look better. Well, this makes it look worse because two points dropped, Newcastle would be on 22, the same as Villa in fifth place. Um, at the time of recording, Newcastle are seventh in the league. They could fall as low as ninth today before Brighton and Brentford play. Unlikely, considering the the you know Brentford go to Liverpool, but you know Newcastle this season. We talked about it loads in this podcast. Some fans said top six would be brilliant with all of the extra games. Some fans said no, no, and, and this was you know when we did the live show with journalists at the start of the season. Which, by the way, there is another one coming on December the fifth. Tickets will be out on Monday for that. Uh, keep an eye if you want to come along to the stand and see us there. But but some people said, once you get in the Champions League, you have to stay in. It's absolutely essential for signing players, for for financial fair play, for commercial revenue. And there's all sorts of opinions in between. I just want to know, Kyle, considering that Newcastle find themselves 7th behind Man United after 12 games played, is there any re-evaluation from your point of view? Or is it just the fact that this is an absolute horror show with injuries? If we can pick up 7 from 4 with an ever-declining list, uh, increasing list of injuries, if this is us at our worst when we're at our best, we'll fly up that league table. What do you think, mate?
5: To be fair, I think I, I'm just taking this, I'm taking yesterday with a pinch of salt because I know what we're capable of when, we've, when we're fully fit and we're ready to go. Like, Aston Villa, who you've correctly stated above, were the table, would demolish them at home. And I know it flattered were a little bit 5-1, but we still outplayed them, we still beat them convincingly. And, yeah, I'm taking it with a pinch of salt because the way you've got to look at it, lads, is like, we we'll had the hardest start of any Premier League team by a considerable margin. I think we've played all of the top six, bar in Tottenham. Um, we've, got, we've been given the Champions League group of death: um, three, three amazing teams. AC Milan uh, were champions of Italy two seasons ago. Bruce Dortmund should have won the league in, uh, last season, and then and then you have PSG, who were obviously the best team in France, were one of the best teams and uh, best players in the world in, in Bappe. So. Like you and then you've got the League Cup run as well, we've got Man City at home, we've got uh we've got Manchester United away, and now we've got Chelsea away. And it's just like every which way you, you look at it, Newcastle have been given the hardest and the, the highest level of fixture of any team in Europe. And I'll argue I'll argue with the death whether I'll I'll die on that hill. Like no team has had a harder start, and like we are still in the top top eight as it stands, which I think is considering the start we've had is really good. Yes, I know yesterday was a horror show, game too far, but I think Trivia says in his interview yesterday, no need to panic. And I'm not, I'm not going to panic because I know this team will bounce back. It has that mentality too. And once we get our fitness levels back and stuff like that and recharge the batteries, we'll be okay. And I'm I'm still confident we can beat Chelsea uh, come a couple of weeks' time as well. So yeah, no need to panic from me. Still think we can finish in the top six comfortably. Um, with the team that we'll have yesterday was just a blip in what will be a good season.
4: Same question, Adam. Yeah, I think'm I'm, I'm with Kyle a lot. I think we we know that we're, we're a good football team. we don't just stop being a good football team after a week. Lots of mitigation, obviously as we've just we've discussed across this podcast, we at the minute we're still the second top goal scorers in the Premier League. We still have one of the best uh, defenses in the league. Um, I think we are joint third for the best goal difference as well. So, you know, if if we had beaten Bournemouth yesterday, we would have been three points behind Tottenham, who were regarded as the early title uh, pacemakers. So, to put that in, um, you know, they've had a bad week, but we were very, very, we're still very close to them as it stands. So, it it won't take much for us to make up that ground. As Carl's mentioned, we've played a, a few tough fixtures already possibly more than other teams around us. So we have that to come. And yeah, as, as, as Trippier said, we're, we're still we're in the quarterfinal of the League Cup. We're still in with a shout of, of progressing in Europe. And we're still sort of in touch and distance with the top pack in the Premier League. So yeah, there's no panic from me either. We know largely why we we, we, we didn't bring it against Bournemouth. We, we, we know. We, we, it's, it wasn't necessarily a mystery. You could point to numerous things, but we know that that's that's not um, a signature performance from Eddie Howe and Newcastle United. It's anomalous and hopefully we'll we'll, we'll dust ourselves down uh, over this international <laughs> break. Never say that. I, I, I looked in size eye when I said that as well. Um, and I, you know, what what we need to remember is what doesn't define us is, you know, the, the odd defeats. Mm-hmm. It's how we, It's how we bounce back from the adversity, how we bounce back, it's a challenge football seasons are never going to go smooth. You're not going to win every single game. You're not going to always have the performance that you want, but it's how we react now and how we respond to this. Um, and from what I've seen from Eddie Howe over the past couple of years, it usually ends pretty well when we've got our backs against the wall and we need to dig out a few results. I totally back the lads and our back is against Chelsea as well.
3: Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. I, I think it's far too early to start re-evaluating the season, start re recalculating where we might finish uh we definitely need this international break to be a good one in terms of getting some players back and getting some energy back in in the veins of the players but i am looking at the fixture list up to christmas and then thinking by christmas we might know a lot more um we've got we've got five away games and four home games again like it's just because of the league cup game we, we were just constantly on the road two massive grueling champions league fixtures and actually of those nine games only three are against bottom half teams like, it's, it's it's not getting any easier, despite the fact we have played a lot of hard games, that, that these fixtures are, are pretty brutal. And one thing that defined our season last year was that we went on these great runs where we won, like, eight and nine in a row. And I just doesn't... The fixture list isn't lending itself to us going on one of those runs, especially with the volume of fixtures... Um, in, including the Champions League games, which unfortunately uh, we haven't got through the group with with two games to spare where we can take it easy in the last two. There's going to be something riding on those last two games. So they're going to be really intense. They're going to be grueling. You know, Chelsea way in the cup. It's a quarter final. We're going to have to take that seriously. Massive game. And then three days later, we go back to London to play Luton. So it's like, it's never ending. It's going to be tough right the way up to Christmas. Um, then we get a nice home fixture for Boxing Day, which is which is a, a pleasant surprise because we rarely get those. But, and it's Liverpool yeah. and Man City back to back. Yeah. What, and then what, Villa. <laughs> what, a, what a Christmas period. And, you know, uh, we're, we're sitting here in the podcast now looking at the league table. It's not too bad. But then Liverpool play today, Villa play today, Brighton play today. So it probably looks a bit worse by the time some people are listening to this by Sunday evening if all those teams win. So it is There's, there's a challenge ahead of us. I'm not panicking yet. You're right. Trippy is right. Let's not panic. But we need to pull a run together from somewhere. And the fixture list is a little bit scary now for me.
2: What's really interesting to me about the season so far is at home, we look as good as anyone. We look as good as anyone. So the last five home league fixtures, let's throw in Manchester City as well. So six in the cup, that is. We haven't conceded a goal. We've won every single game. That's good. That's really good. At home, we are, I wouldn't say unbeatable because Liverpool did it. Mad circumstances. But again, if you look at the Liverpool game, we should have beaten Liverpool. We could have beaten Liverpool. Would be almost the perfect home record, which would be quite something away from home it's a different story it's one win in six in the league it's it's that 8-0 at Sheffield United which was great and then there's the draw at Wolves and the draw at West Ham in particular where you you, you could argue three and six looks a lot healthier than one and six I think that what's going to be really interesting moving forward we have we have Chelsea and Man United in these back-to-back home games sandwiched in between PSG away so that's a big week that's a big week three three clubs who all massively have greater resources than Newcastle currently greater wage bills better players in theory anyway. Um the night like you say aside, it's Everton and Spurs back to back. So like, there's no respite then the key thing for us this season, I think, is the home form. If we can continue the home form in a similar vein, say through you get through the, the end of the season with 15 home wins, you are right in the conversation there for for top six with fifteen home wins. And whilst Newcastle were poor yesterday and were deservedly beaten at Bournemouth, it was only really Bournemouth and Brighton where the games got away from them, I'd argue. You know, the other the other away games were either picked up draws We're in the game at Manchester City. The Manchester City deserve to win. It's just going to be really interesting, I think, how we improve our away form, primarily for the reason that you state, sorry, that there's just not any time to work on anything. And that's the thing that Howe and Tyndall and the rest of the coaching staff are going to have to get to grips with. It's okay, how do you go from... um, Let's just say we beat Chelsea at home. If you go to PSG away and get turned over, which is a distinct possibility, I think, with the injuries and the away form in the Champions League so far... You then have to get ready for Manchester United at home, eight o'clock on a Saturday night, massive game, potentially with players missing. There's almost just there's just no time to fix any problems that we have. And I don't think we have any massive structural problems or tactical problems. We just need to get a few players back. But interesting, you, you, you pointed out that, that run of fixtures because that turn of the year fixture list is is we'll know a lot more by Christmas. I think we'll know even more si, by the end of January because after that Forest game, it's Liverpool away. Man City home Villa away that's that's a tough one of fixtures that mirrors what we had at the start of the season and you, you find yourself in a situation kind of not picking up a ton of points in those games it can get away from me in this league very easily the the weakness of the bottom 10 which isn't a great thing for me to say after we've just lost to one of them <laughs> um 0 away from home that could have been a lot more the weakness of the bottom 10 this season has created a big gap at the top already in terms of the top the kind of the top 10 to the bottom 10 and What Newcastle have to get back to doing, and there was a stat shown on TV yesterday, Newcastle's first defeat to a bottom eight side or a side outside the top eight, one of the two, since 2022. You know, Newcastle's performances and being able to not lose to bad teams has been excellent. I don't think that's just gone away because of one injury-ravaged defeat to a Bournemouth side. Well, we're still on 55, 60 minutes odds in the game. So that's crucial. Can Newcastle continue to do what they're good at? And that's A, be absolutely class at home. And B be kind of unbeatable against the bottom ten or twelve. That's going to be the that's going to be what make or breaks the season. And I think if you get, can get into March or April time in with a shout of the top four or five, I think I would back Newcastle United to do it based on what they did last season. Based on the fact that probably they're not going to have European football or many fixtures to play around. Then it's all about staying in contention for us. And what the rest of the league must know by now is. Castle are a really, really good side, and it have to be taken seriously. And they're also a side that probably will strengthen in January more so than our rivals. You'd hope so, anyway. We've done that. Has there been three January windows now? Two January since the takeover. Uh, I lose, I lose, I lose track. Two, two. And they added Anthony Gordon, who's absolutely brilliant, and they had Bruno Gamaresh plus others in the first one. If we can add a similar type of player, maybe a little bit more strength and depth, you'd back us from that thirtieth of January. Point onwards with those hard fixtures to really, really have a good go at the second half of the season. So no, um, no reason to panic for me. Really quickly, lads, um, transfer window. Every time Newcastle lose a game, it seems it seems like <laughs> the transfer window has to be discussed or reevaluated. Does anyone think Newcastle got it wrong now, having lost to Bournemouth?
5: It's. Uh, I'll start. I think you can't. Uh, to be fair, like without the betting scandal, Tonaldi plays yesterday, so it's it it it's hard to say like. W- w- if Tenali plays yesterday, did Newcastle win that game yesterday? I don't know. Probably not. But it's a massive inclusion, one of one of which we've paid a lot of money for to bring in a first team player, and we haven't got access to him till August next year, which isn't ideal for the for for the squad because we'll put all we put all our chips on this midfielder, and like obviously the, what's happened's happened. So um, I'm not putting all the blame on Tenali. That's not the reason. Um, we've got it wrong all right. I still think we've had a really good window regardless. It's just the concerns that we had in pre-season are starting to come to light now with whether we'll have a big enough squad to deal with European competition. And at the minute, like, with the injuries and stuff that, that, that has happened at the moment, it it looks like a, a no. It, but obviously, if we get these players back and get a bit of fitness about, we, then obviously we'll rise up the table and be all right. I've got... Like you say, Alex, no reason to be worried or or panic or anything. Like that. just, when we're all relying on the depth of our squad, we're losing to another Bournemouth quite convincingly. So that's that's a worry. But you look at the start of the year when we lost to Sheffield Wednesday, that was the depth of our squad as well. So it's just the it's just the depth that we need to fix. And I think over the next two three windows, there will be looking at that. I think first team players will come in in January. Uh, to help with push for that European uh, contention. But, yeah, no reason to panic. It's just the depth. It's just, like, um, a bit worrying with the depth. But, obviously, injuries come back, and then that's no longer our concern, so...
3: I would say the depth of the squad beat Man City and beat Man United. You know they were they were a uh, very makeshift teams. Yeah, this is the depth
5: on depth. Like yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> what, what 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 the
3: bones were with with this squad. <laughs> the, the, the meta depth of uh, Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. It does look in in hindsight like we haven't quite equipped ourselves to to battle on on all fronts. Uh, we probably we probably expected the League Cup to be to be cast aside this season with with Europe, but it hasn't been, and we've given ourselves three massive fixtures. And like I said at the start of the show. The um, intensity and difficulty of the extra fixtures has probably been a factor we couldn't have anticipated, like three class European teams. Yeah. We were in part four, but no one thought we were going to get that draw. Um, getting all top six sides in the uh, in the League Cup so far, Chelsea don't count, I suppose, but you know, it's, still, it's still a good side with billions of pounds of the players. Um, so I think we couldn't have anticipated that. You couldn't have anticipated the tonality thing, like you said. I mean, I suppose one f- lesson learned is uh, to check bank statements of any incoming players now for, for any gambling evidence. Um, due diligence and all that could have anticipated harvey barnes breaking a toe just little things like that they're not they're not um, injuries that come about through through workload they're injuries that just just freak injuries Um, yeah Yeah. murphy's shoulder dislocating like you know you're always going to get one or two of these but they've all happened at once and so there's only so much you can do to prepare for potentially losing players and i don't think anyone would have said well what if we lose 12 players from the from the first (laughs) 25 like that just doesn't happen and you know, um, we used to lament the previous manager for his injury record, but his injury record was off the back of like really low-intensity performances with far fewer fixtures. This you can forgive because we've got so many yeah, more matches definitely. at high intensity. The injuries were going to come, but yeah, I, I think they're fine. I think I'm happy with the players that have come in. The Tonali one, it looks bad now because we're not getting value out of it, but, you know, Livramento looks class. Yeah. Hall will play his part, and you think these players were meant to be introduced into a, um, into a side that is kind of managing. They weren't meant to be coming in whilst the rest of the teams also unavailable so that it's much harder for them to kind of make the impact you're hoping for barnes as well he would have been i think he would have been on five or six goals by now had he not got injured i think the incomings were were fine they made this the squad stronger we've just hit something that no one's a mental
5: injury crisis which it's the worst i've seen as i said earlier on the podcast we will leave it there thanks so much to
2: you guys for joining me this morning thanks to everybody who's listened to the show if you like what we do Come and join us on Patreon as we've got loads coming up in this international break. You still get your podcast fix. Speak to you all on this free podcast next week, probably. Bye for now.